powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. We're starting a brand new teaching series today called Epic. Say Epic. Epic. Small things, big difference. Say, uh, epic. Small things, big difference. Now look over at your neighbor. If you don't like him, I suggest you move because you're going to talk to him at least 17 more times. Look at him and say, God created us to be epic, not average. That wasn't the right neighbor. Touch the other one. Say, God created me and you to be epic, not average. Today, my stress my struggle, my strain ends. If I could just get this atmosphere right, something could pop off in here. Something could jump off. That's the wrong neighbor. Talk to the other one and say, today, I'm announcing to my issues, my problems, and my circumstances. I left you yesterday. I'm not the one. I'm upgrading to epic. Would you give God praise for that? Lift your Bibles high. Let's make our confession of faith. Remain standing. Let's get right into it. Say it with me. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message. Remain standing. Go to one scripture, Psalm 51.5. I'm going to read it in the old King James Version. Uh, I normally teach in the new King James Version. And, uh, and so just uh, Psalm 51.5. Psalm 51.5. And when you have it, say, I got it, Bishop. And just still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Psalm 51.5, we're standing for the reading of God's word. Psalm 51.5. Bishop, why do we stand? Because we honor God's word. Amen. Psalm 51.5. It says this, behold, I was shaped or shapen, old King James English, in iniquity. In other words, he says, I was formed in iniquity. Say iniquity. Iniquity is generational sin, generational curses. He says, in other words, he says, I am the way I am because of the culture I was brought up in. And he says, in sin, sin means to miss the mark, didn't my mother conceive me? T- touch your neighbor and say, you are, you are the way you are, the way you are 
and where you are because of the culture you've tolerated in your life. But today, that upgrades to epic. I don't know what's going on. Say today, that upgrades to epic. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak to me now that we, your people, might move in what you have ordained. We declare that as we begin this series, Father, that it would mark several weeks of upgrading to epic, changing small things that will make big differences in our lives. You did not die for us to be miserable, wretched, and jacked up, and tore up, and tied up, and tangled up. You died so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Life overflowing, zoe, meaning so much life we're bringing others back to life. We announce to stress, you got to go. We we announce the depression and discouragement. You've got to go. We announce the issues and drama and dysfunction. You've got to know. We announce the family trouble. You've got to go. We announce the marital trouble. You've got to go. We announce the financial trouble. You've got to go. Because today, it all changes as we upgrade to epic. Somebody shout epic. As you take your seats, have five, two or three people around you and tell them I'm creating an epic culture for an epic life. Creating an epic culture for an epic life. You can be seated. Uh, watch this you've overcome a lot you beat a lot of odds and the reality is watch this that all of our lives tell a story and God desires for that story to be epic say I was created to be epic to be epic means to be grand in scale and character or impressive and remarkable. Now, in order to live a life that tells a story that's epic, we must live our lives intentionally instead of just experimentally. Please, please understand, most people live their life like they are in a science experiment. They throw stuff up against the wall and hope that it sticks. And so one month they want to do this. The next month they want to do this. One month they this. The next month they're that. But we're shifting from that. Say, I'm shifting. Not just living through experimentation, but living by intentionality. And, and this begins by making small things or applying small things that can make a big difference. Say, I'm upgrading. Now, the way in which we upgrade to epic, to live intentionally instead of experimentally, is through creating an epic culture for an epic life. Say, epic culture for an epic life. Now, please understand. Touch your neighbor and say, stay with Bishop. A culture is the sum total of ways of living by a group of people that's passed from one generation to another. So watch this. Your culture is what you do and what you don't do. Please understand. Your culture is what you accept and what you don't accept. A culture is determined by our core values and our core values or our identity. Please understand. If you've ever asked yourself, who am I? Who's ever asked yourself that? Lord, who am I? Who am I? Please understand. Uh, I need to not give you some churchy cliche of just know who you are in Christ. That ain't nothing but a cliche. And when people tell you that, they're just trying to tell you they don't really know who they are either who you are is found watch this in your core values say that's who I am and your core values are non-negotiable principles that state why you uh, what you are and why you are that way please understand uh, your neighbor has been so used to negotiating everything about their lives that the truth is we don't often know what we stand for and what we stand against because we've so been so busy negotiating and compromising but somebody say today that ends See, the problem is, watch this. Please understand, uh, I've had my identity uh, stolen twice. Anybody ever had your identity stolen twice? Please understand, that's why people ask me questions. I'm like, what you want to know? That ain't none of your business. I, I'm not telling you nothing. Now watch this. Identity theft is when a person pretends to be someone that they are not in order to reap the benefits that the person they're impersonating would experience. Watch it. So if a person has poor credit, they need to pretend to be you like you have good credit. Or but since you have good credit, so that they can reap the benefits of a 750 FICO opposed to a 505. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? 
Here's the issue with identity theft is that pretending doesn't work long term. Matter of fact, if you're honest, there's some stuff through life where you pretended like it was A when it was really B and you can only pretend for so long. You pretended like what they did didn't hurt you until one day it looked at you in the face and said, you're going to deal with me today. You pretended like that issue wasn't present until that issue said, you're going to deal with me today. I, I think there's a few of us that have tried pretending before. Anybody in here tried that? Just your neighbor, look at him, say, don't judge me, don't judge me. No. We didn't all pretend to be something. The issue is, is it doesn't work long term because eventually I'm going to get tired of pretending to be that which I am not. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Watch this, Bishop. What is the correlation to culture? People often attempt to just modify their behavior, and that doesn't work long term because our struggles, our insecurities, and our idiosyncrasies are not behavior issues. They are identity issues. You didn't hear what I just said, which means when I know who I am, it automatically changes what I do. I don't have to have light hands laid on me to cast out a demon when I realize I was already free. I don't have to have a lion spirit cast out of me when I realize he made me to be truthful. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. You don't need to cast out low self-esteem and depression if you realize that he died that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So watch this. This is why there's certain people in life that you've tried to help get better. Anybody ever tried to help somebody? And anybody at the time you ended trying to help that person, you were just mad, frustrated, mad as all heaven. First Sunday, I'll be nice. Please understand? And, and, and watch this. Did it look like they were making some changes for a little while? It looked like it didn't. It didn't look, they were saying the right stuff. They were doing the right stuff. They were acting the right way. Until one day they got tired of stealing somebody else's identity. You're not hearing what I'm saying. And then all of a sudden you looked and said, well, I thought you were changing. No, they changed their behavior, which is the fruit. But they never changed the culture of their life, which is the root. And so please understand, I can change behavior all day long. But if I don't change the core of who I am, my fruit will eventually reflect what I really am. That is the reason why you look at some people and say, I can't believe so-and-so treated me like this. What you don't believe, you knew what they were when you hooked up with them in the first place. They just became what you knew they were. But, okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Watch this. Our culture is how we've been shaped throughout life. How, how, uh, the psalmist said, an iniquity was I shaped. Think about it. When I poured water, when, uh, uh, the, bottle, the bottlers of our water, of our harvest water. Don't y'all like harvest water? Now, mine has a little tint to it because I put lemon and lime in mine. So that's a tint. It ain't dirty. It's tint. That's good for you. Cleans you. Cleans you. Now, watch this here. Uh, when the water was placed into this vessel, the water had to conform to the vessel it was placed in. Got it? Here's what I need you to understand. In life, when you were poured out of heaven, please understand, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Which means God says, when I sent you to earth, you just weren't some bump on a log. It wasn't an accident to you that you were born. That's why you couldn't have been aborted. You know why? Because God said, I designed it that you would be here for such a time as this. I sent you from heaven for this time. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm from heaven. So next time somebody says, you just think you God's gift to the world. You're doggone right about it. When he sent me, he sent me here to solve a problem. He sent me here to do something epic. Somebody shout epic. epic. So watch this. When you were poured out of heaven, you were poured into culture. And you were shaped by the environment you were placed in. There, there is a, such a phenomenon called a feral child. I've told it before. Feral children are children who were raised by wolves. And even though they're human beings, they act like dogs because they were raised in a culture of being a dog, being a wolf. And so watch this. They'll walk around and they won't speak. They bark. They won't talk. They growl. Now, they're human beings. And you might look at them and say, why do they act like that? Don't they know they're human? They don't. They look like it, but they don't know what they are. 
which is why there's certain people, not you, you're spiritual, but your neighbor. God said they're supposed to be a conqueror, but they're living less than a conquering life because even though they look like they're supposed to be a conqueror, they don't know they're one. But touch your neighbor and say, that changes today. You were shaped in iniquity, generational stuff, which means if you look at your bloodline, the truth is many of y'all really aren't that different from one another. Your mama didn't communicate with you. Her mama didn't communicate with her. Her mama didn't communicate with her. So nobody communicates well today. Your daddy advocated his responsibility. His daddy advocated his responsibility. His daddy advocated his responsibility. So now the idea of responsibility is I pick my kid up on the weekend. And you look at people and say, I can't believe that. But you don't know how they were shaped. See, so let me help you. Before you start judging people, realize that you weren't shaped the same way they were shaped. And while you may have made more progress in your journey than they have, they were shaped in an iniquity different than you. And so you may be shaped in a culture of honor, but maybe they were shaped in a culture of dishonor. So you're speaking different languages, AM, FM, and there's no connectivity because you were shaped differently. How were you shaped? Touch your neighbor and say, how were you shaped? Please understand, uh, 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 I gave this example to them this morning. Uh, there's this restaurant in downtown Atlanta called Mary Max, and I like to go to Atlanta to visit and eat and leave. And um, that's it, just visit and eat and leave. And because the traffic is just, it's horrible. It's just horrible. You, I mean, it take, it's packed all the time. It could be 12 o'clock in the morning. And everybody's like, why don't you, y'all need to go home. I'm the tourist. All y'all ain't tourists. Not with Georgia tags on. Not all of y'all are tourists. And, uh, and so I, uh, there's this restaurant, it's downtown, I'll tell you the name of it, it's called Mary Max, and uh, it's real good food, say good food. And you know, it's primarily good because I don't know, they put stuff like salt and pepper on the food. And so in Denver, y'all don't really do that here, y'all just kind of just, you know, put it in a pot and be like, here, eat it. Well, where I'm from, you season it. You season stuff you don't even think needs season. You season butter. You season oil in the South. Y'all not saying nothing. You season beans in the South. I mean, you, everything that can be seasoned, you see, if you could season your cereal that goes, or your milk that goes in your cereal, they find a way to season that. In fact, they do. What they do is they let the little syrup build up from the Fruit Loops. And then they drink it. So it's like sugar milk. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Who know about that sugar milk? And then, and then if you got real good on it, you just keep pouring fresh bowls of cereal into the same batch of milk. Oh, don't y'all look at me like y'all don't eat cereal in Denver. Now watch this, they seasoned the food, and, 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 and watch this, and so I'm, I'm, I went in, uh, we went into a restaurant, I was famished, I, I was extremely hungry, and I said, okay, darling, I need to eat, and, uh, and so I want this, 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 and this, and that's what I want, and, and she looked at me, and, and she got a little, she got a little, you know, Atlanta, they call that the dirty self, she got a little dirty, and she, she's like, sir, now I started to say, all that neck, you better pop that right back up in your head, because I'm not the one. But I was a good Christian, had my good church clothes on. And so I didn't say that. And, and so she says, sir, the way we do it here is that I'm going to take your drink order first. And then when I come back, I'm going to take your food order. And, and, you know, I'm used to a certain level of accoutrement as it relates to customer service. You know, I just, if I'm paying you for something, I expect you to do a good job. You know, I don't know about you. I just, where I am, you know, if I pay for something, I expect to get what I pay for. So if you want a tip, that's not a scripture. then you're going to need to serve me well because I got plenty of tips. Trust the Lord with all that heart and lean not to your own understanding. Never stare directly into the sun. It can cause eye damage. I got some tips. But if you want the kind that folds, we're going to have to get this customer service understood. I can give you some scriptures all day long, especially if you shouldn't do that. Well, you should treat me right. Heavy D said it like this. Do me right. I just need you to... And so, 
Okay, what's it? And so, and so, and so I, I, I was almost kind of like, but then, you know what I said? Okay, fine. Go get my drink then. <laughs> no, I wasn't rude. Here's the point. You missed it. She said, sir, we have a culture here. And the way we do it here is the way we do it here. And we're not changing our culture to fit you. You're going to fit this culture. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Your culture of your life, please understand, this woman said, we're not changing it and compromising it to make you happy. You're going to have to change to make us happy. You don't know, understand what I'm saying. So let me, let me give some examples. Let me give some examples. Let me give some examples. What was the culture of your family? How were you shaped? What was and what is the culture of your family? Maybe you experienced a culture in your family like Joseph where uh, his brothers were jealous of him. And so because his brothers were jealous of him, they tried to always limit him. Maybe you experienced a culture like David, whose David's brothers were jealous of him too. In fact, they used to tell him, David, you just think you all this and think you all that. And David used to say to him, well, it's always something with y'all. If, I'm, if I do, if I'm, if I'm either too tall or I'm too short, I'm either too this or I'm too that. He said, I just ain't no pleasing y'all. He says, let me just go fight Goliath because I'm sick of talking to y'all. If you read the story, he actually goes out to fight Goliath because he was really sick of dealing with his brothers. A whole nother story. What was the family environment that you were shaped in? Maybe you were shaped in a family environment where everybody just cussed everybody out and that was called love. Oh, don't look at me like that. Some of y'all, that's how y'all woke up in the morning. What? What? <laughs> What are you doing in here? Got it? Some maybe in the mornings you have real rough culture in the mornings. Maybe if you were, you, you were a parent and your children maybe had real rough culture in the morning. And so everything was the kid's fault in the morning. Some of y'all know about that if you were raised in that kind of environment. And don't look at me with that tone of voice. And then maybe you were the parent that perpetrated that culture to your children. Everything was their fault. The alarm clock don't go off. Y'all didn't mess around and made the alarm clock not go off. What you do? How did I touch your alarm clock? Where them shoes at? You know, everything. Okay, so if you were raised in a very dysfunctional culture uh, in your family, and please understand, every family has some form of dysfunction. There's no such thing as a perfect family. What there is, everybody's got some form of dysfunction. So the touch of them say everybody, including you. All right, so the only place where there's perfect families and on sitcoms when they used to have TGIF with Full House and this kind of stuff and then Family Matters and all that. That's the only place, and the Cosbys and all that. That's the only place where the, the Dr. Heathcliff, and what's her name, Claire? That's the only place where, they, you know, that's the only place where they work like that. Got it? But what was the culture of family you were shaped in? Because if you really are honest, you're probably not that far from the culture you were shaped in. Got it? Here's the issue, though. Bad culture perpetuates generational curses. So maybe you were in a family where everybody always accused everybody of something. So everything was accusations and criticism all the time. Well, you just don't want me to have nothing. Well, you ain't got nothing. But just everybody fighting and arguing. And so if you were raised in that kind of culture, a culture where people talk nice to one another, it's foreign to you. You'll think something's wrong with what's right. Okay, let me give you another example. What is the career or occupational culture that you were shown? Were you shaped in a culture where worth ethic was important? See, that's the problem. That's why when I be out driving at 11 o'clock, the traffic is full. I'm trying to figure out, y'all need to go to work. And everybody ain't no lunch at no 11 o'clock. Everybody ain't no bishop. <laughs> <Take it. laughs> now, now, here's my point. Uh, I, I was, I, I, I have been, man, just to talk about me, my worth ethic has been uh, very, uh, shall we say, uh, focused uh, for, uh, since as long as I can remember. I started my first business when I was a kid. 
And so my worth ethic has always been a worth ethic of it's done when it's done. Amen. Not, ooh, I got to hurry up and run because I'm punching the clock. It got real quiet right there. But if you were shown a worth ethic where every week somebody had a new job because they just don't understand me. Every job don't understand you. Every company in the entire 80012, 80014, 80237, Don't none of them understand you. Could it be you? You show up with an attitude like that. They better not ask me to work. If you were shaped in a culture where that was okay, then that was okay. But if you were shaped with a relentless worth ethic, then, then, then that's not okay. Watch this. So, so you may say, I want to be successful. But if you're unwilling to change your culture to do what successful people do, then you don't. Successful people do what average people won't do. That's why they're successful. T touch the neighbor and say, that's why I'm epic. See, you'll do what other folk won't do, and, and, and then they wonder why they can't have the harvest you do. You can't have the harvest I have unless you're willing to do the work I'm willing to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your culture must conform to what you want to become, not what it is that you currently are. So what, what work culture were you shown? Were you shown a work culture of, of people that dress a certain way when they go to work, or you were shown a work culture where people just roll out of bed and go to work? Got it? I'm just saying culture. Everybody say culture. I'm just saying, you were shaped to think a certain way. But please understand, if you were, uh, uh, let me just move on. What, what church culture are you familiar with? <laughs> Those of you from the 915, I'm going to clean, I cleaned it up. It's going to be nice. Uh, what church, church culture are you familiar with? Right? If you came from a church culture of chaos and drama versus an honorable and orderly church culture, I don't know, say like Harvest, Then you're like, they start on time? Yes, we started on time. So you may be used to a church culture, but a preacher don't get there until an hour, two hours with church. With church. You, see him, you see him pull up to the front of the church. Like, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Excuse me, I'm late. Well, you didn't know Sunday was coming. Did you not know what time church started? It's quiet in here. So if you were used to a church culture where the pastor hated the people, the people hated the pastor, and they were just kind of in this business deal that nobody was willing to get out of, then when you come to a culture like Harvest where its pastor loves its people and its people loves its pastor, I've never seen that. Culture's different. Okay, since y'all ain't saying nothing, let me talk to some harvesters. Some people in your life have never seen you so committed to something like you're committed to harvest. So they conclude to themselves, well, that must be a cult. No, it's just the culture of the Bible. And because I'm loyal to the culture of the Bible, just because you hate your pastor don't mean I got to hate mine. Just because you disobedient don't mean I got to be. Oh, and another thing. They're going to say, oh, you're just going for that man. You're just going for that Bishop Foreman. Because they've never seen a culture of honor that's taught in the Bible lived out, especially when it comes to an African-American man being honored. But it's the culture. So our house is a house of honor. Y'all just honor that man. You don't go write about it. And that man honors his people. And these people honor their God. And because we're honorable people, the Bible says seasons of favor open up to us. Somebody shout, that's our culture. So if you want to be part of a church where the people hate the pastor, you can bounce. You can leave. Bye. Deuces. Because in the words of that lady in Atlanta, that ain't how we do it here. The way we do it here 
But if you came from a church, church culture where the deacons was fighting with the pastor and the pastor's fighting with the trustees and the pastor's wife was messing with the deacon chairman's wife. <laughs> Got it? If you came from that kind of culture, then, then order is like, oh, what's going on here? Ain't nobody fighting? Ain't no drama going on? They ain't gossiping? It's quiet in the church. No, that's not our culture. And it's not our culture because we can read. <laughs> and because we can read, we see that's not in the Bible. So you have people who fictitiously prognosticate, which just means guess, about what the Bible says. Well, you know, I just believe, you know, we're just all equal in a John's eyes. Where does it say that? It says there's no respect of persons. That has nothing to do with equality. Well, I just believe I can just have church at home. It ain't about going to church. Where does it say that in the Bible? Where do you get to do that? Where do they do that? You're too grown for that. <laughs> okay, where do they do that? Where, where, where did Jesus? If God went to church every week, who in the heaven and everywhere else are you to think you don't have to? The Bible says Jesus got home to go to church. He's God. What is the rabbi going to teach him about himself? Could you imagine Jesus sitting in his chair like that? Ain't even right. That is not what I meant when I wrote that. That is, I didn't. Ooh, he preaching wrong. This is. Could you imagine him sitting there? But he submitted himself. So if God submitted himself, who in the world are we to say, "Well, I just have Jesus at my own time"? It's quiet up in here. Okay, and another thing, since y'all won't say nothing, uh, if you came from a church culture where 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 everybody was just into their own thing versus the vision of the house. You know, and everybody got to get up, and I, I just got to say some words. Giving honor to God, passing friends, elders, ministers, deacons, deaconesses, doorkeepers, everyone in my father's house. The Lord's been good to me. Okay, well, listen, we ain't got time for all that. You need to go to changelives.tumblr.com and send your praise report. That's what you need to do. That's what you share your testimony. What I'm saying is, is that your culture is different. So don't, don't think because a culture is different that it's wrong. It's just different. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right, let me give you one final example. What's your self-culture? What, what is your culture with yourself? I said this already. Average people do what average people do, which is why they're average. Epic people do what average people do, which is why they're epic. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm epic. Again, if you came from a religious mindset that taught you you're supposed to just be down here and you're just supposed to live in hell and be miserable and then die and then one day you're going to have a good life, then if you came from that culture, what I'm saying to you is difficult to grasp. It's difficult to grasp because you're trying to, you're trying to reconcile how is it that I'm supposed to have a good life here when I've been taught and shaped that things are supposed to be messed up for me. So church used to sing songs that were just so rebellious and out of order. I'm going up the rough side. What? That is rebellion. The book says speak to it, not climb it. You are out of order. Touch your neighbor and say get back in order. That's totally out of order. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there on time. You're out of order. You presuppose your time makes him any difference in time. He's infinite, which means he's not in time, which means when he showed up, his timing was perfect. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, all right, all right. L hear me. The vision, goals, dreams, hopes, aspirations for your life don't matter if, the, if your culture isn't conducive for them. Your culture is what it does, and if you change your culture, you'll change your life. Say, if I change my culture, I'll change my life. All right, check this. There is no new you with old culture. And, and, and here's what happens. Uh, you can't cast a bad culture out of somebody. Got it? You have to change it. Now, Bishop, why is this important to understand? Be because a lot of what we've been programmed to do is to, Lord, just fix everything wrong with me. Got it? Well, here's what he does. He gives, he gives us the grace to change the culture that we produce. Got it? Now, there's some things that the Lord will just step in and do. Yes. And can we take 15 seconds to thank him for the stuff he just steps in and does? Yep. A few of y'all will do it. It's some stuff that the truth be told, you just woke up one morning and you were over it. You just woke up one day and that issue was gone. Let's thank him for the stuff he does automatically. But there are some things, there are some things that require change on our part. Got it? And so now here's why this is important to understand. Here's why this is important to understand. Um, think of it this way. Um, you can have, I used this analogy earlier, I'll use it again. Um, you can have a really nice dessert. Really nice one. Good dessert. Uh, back when I was big bishop, I really liked desserts. I could have dessert for breakfast, dessert for lunch, dessert for dinner, and then dessert after the dessert I had for dinner. I like dessert. In fact, I conditioned myself to thinking, well, every meal needs a good dessert. So if I went to the drive-thru and got some chicken, I said, well, give me them three cookies too. Because some chicken's going to need some dessert. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Got it? I, I could eat uh, two and three pieces of bread or three and four, or, you know, or four and five or, just, or six or whatever I ate. And, and then I just need some dessert. Now, there's a restaurant that used to make this dessert uh, that was very, very good. They don't make it anymore, I'm told. And uh, I, I ain't checked because I didn't want the devil to get no advantage over me. I said, I don't even want to know. Don't tell me nothing about it. And uh, uh, put it up. They got a picture of it. <laughs> now leave that up for a minute. I want, I want you to get an image. Some of y'all know where that dessert's from. Or used to be from. And they put like coconut in there and chocolate chip in there and then chocolate sauce and then caramel sauce. And then the ice cream wasn't like soft serve. It had like a yellow tint to it. Like it had some egg in there or something. The extra egg. I mean, it was real good. It was rich. It was a rich ice cream. So this could melt and then you could refreeze it and then melt it again. And it was really good. Now, it had about 3,000 calories in it, but now here's the deal. Here's what happens. You come to church every week, and you hear these life-giving messages, right? Amen, amen. I'm upgrading to Epic. Amen, amen. Everything's changing. The promise is still good. I'm elevating. Hallelujah. I'm the curse breaker. I'm the history maker. Great. So that's the dessert. But if you take that dessert and put it in a nasty bathroom, do you really want the dessert? Now, maybe some of y'all ain't never been in a nasty bathroom. Let me define nasty. Nasty is where when you look at it, you just kind of just want to keep your hands to yourself. Some of y'all, some of y'all, you've gone to like a public restroom at a stadium or something and they hadn't cleaned it and you're like, woo-wee, I'll wait. You ever pulled over somewhere but like, I got to go, got to go, got to go right now. Come on, be honest. You're at Harvest. You can be honest. And then you got in the bathroom like, Ooh, no, I don't. No, I don't. Let me just walk right on up out of here. No, I don't. 
nope. <laughs> wait again. I say wait, oh Lord. Now they got they got a picture and they good back there. <laughs> uh-huh. So now imagine that good dessert in that bathroom. They're doing mighty fine back there. Do you really want it? No. Here's what it is. If you don't change your culture, you can get good word every week. But when you take it back to a messed up culture, you're not actually going to apply what it is that you've learned. This is why there's people you've been trying to tell, I care about you, I care about you, friends, I care about you, I'm here for you, I'm here for you. And they don't get it, they don't get it because you gave them a nice piece of dessert, but they, don't, they didn't change their culture to be conducive to believe what it is that you said. So because they didn't change culture, you can tell them all day you're for them, but they won't believe you. Y'all didn't hear what I said. That is the reason why Jesus can tell us all day long, I love you. I'm here for you. I want to favor you. If I be for you, who can be against you? But if you don't actually believe that and change the culture of your life to be conducive for that, it doesn't really matter. Let me give you some bad English. Such a neighbor say, it don't matter. Now, watch this. Watch this. Say culture. So I can't cast bad culture out of you. You can't cast bad culture out of yourself. You have to change it. Say, I have to change it. Say it again, I have to change it. Now watch this. Now, you can take the 40-year route to change it, or you can take the 11-day journey to change it. The children of Israel uh, was, were headed to the promised land. Say promise. promise. It should have took them 11 days to get there. Now, I don't know about you, but I like getting there quick. I've been switching from using my, my, my phone navigation to the car navigation, and um, so that way I'm trying to be, you know, hands-free, not having that in my hands. The problem is, is my hand, the, the car one, is that I don't like the way she does it. And no, I don't. And, and I, don't, I don't like the way she does it because she takes me the long way. You know, go all the way up Colorado Boulevard, didn't turn right. I said, well, I could have just got on I-70. I don't understand why you took me all the way up the street. Here's the point. Here's the point. The children of Israel were supposed to have an 11-day journey to get to the promised land. It took them 40 years. You know why? Because they wouldn't change their culture. They come out of Egypt, but Egypt didn't come out of them. See, watch this. You're not still in the mess you used to be in, but the mess you used to be in is still in you. And so the issue you're running to in your life now is you're trying to make progress. You're trying to make changes. You're trying to go forward. But there's something in you that keeps drawing you back to the thing that you didn't want to be drawn to. Okay, since y'all ain't saying nothing, we just came out of relationship revolution. Single people, if you keep meeting the same type of person, just a different body, that's telling you that's you. No, you didn't hear what I just said. You keep meeting yourself because it's not true that opposites attract. The same thing draws the same thing. So you keep meeting low lives because there's something in you that thinks it's supposed to be low. So they came out of Egypt, but Egypt never came out of them. So you're saved now. And if you're not, by the end of this worship experience, we believe you will be. You're living for Jesus now. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm living for Jesus Okay, great, but is he living in you to change your culture? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Romans 12, 2, and uh, they're going to put it in the New King James Version. I want to read it to you in the Message Bible translation. It says this, do not become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. See, here's what we try to do, change the outside in. And we think if we put a lot of lipstick on a pig that it won't be good for bacon. B-A-C-O-N. Not B-A-K-I-N. Well, I guess you can bake it too. Or do you broil it? You bake it. 
Oh, either way. Okay. Well, I don't know if I should be asking Denver for who from the South. Okay. Now, how, now do you, can you bake it too? Oh, you're not from here? Okay. You from the South? From the East? Ah, nobody's perfect. <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just messing, dog. I'm just messing with you. Okay, so you can bake it. I'm just giving you a hard time. Just give me a hard time. Okay, all right, so here's the deal. Listen to what it says. Y'all still here? Yeah. Y'all still here? Listen to what it says. Uh, this is Message Bible. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops a warm, well-formed maturity in you. So in other words, the writer of Romans is saying, and Romans is an important book because the Romans, they were crazy. Say crazy. If you've ever looked at some of the shows now where they, 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 uh, they'll chronicle some of the Roman culture, a lot of that is true. They were crazy. I mean, the, the Romans, when they would go to church, particularly in Corinth, when they went to the church at Corinth, you know how you even have like a thousand prayer partners or something like that. Well, they had a thousand temple prostitutes. In fact, the specific word used is whores. Okay. Uh, whoremongers for those like the old King James Version. Now, here's the thing. So you come, they go to church. And have more than a worship experience. <laughs> Do y'all speak the King's English here? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. So, when the writer of Romans is telling them, stop conforming to the culture, he's saying, the way y'all been doing life has just been totally out of order. And he said, I need you to change it because God didn't die for you to just say good things but not see them manifest in your life. See, I don't know about you, but you ought to be sick and tired of being sick and tired about the same thing. You ought to be angry about being angry about the same thing. Something in you ought to rise up and say, I was created for greater and doggone it. If he died for it, I want him. You should have lied to me before I read the truth for myself. All right. So let me give you, let me give you three things, three things that are going to, small things that are going to make a big difference. Say small things, small things to make a big difference. All right, so our culture must conform to Christ. He's not conforming to us. We must conform to him. So the first one is this, is change how you communicate. How do you talk? And, and, and I'm not just talking about declaring uh, faith and faith confessions, which I've taught you on extensively before. But I'm just talking about how do you talk in your everyday life? Got it? Is everything cussing folk out? Now, I know you spiritual. I'm talking about your neighbor. Got it? Is, is, is everything drama every time you talk to people? How do you talk? Because that's your culture. In the days of the scripture, y'all still here. In the days of the scripture, uh, the Hebrews, they were conquered by the Babylonians and then the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans, and then you had the Greco-Roman Empire. Here's what happened. When the Babylonians captured them, they literally displaced, they took the, Is uh, the Israelites from their homeland and then displaced them and brought them to Babylon. So here's what happens. Uh, in that, they would change the name of the Hebrew slaves so that they began to change how they talked about themselves. Which means your culture is identified by how you speak. Your culture is identified by how you speak. So Daniel 1.7, you remember Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Well, that was their, watch this, that was their Babylonian name, not their Hebrew names. Now, the reason they gave them Babylonian names was so that they changed how they talked to one another. And when they changed how they talked to one another, they changed what they were pulling out of one another. Okay, Bishop, what are you trying to say? How do you talk? Because that's shaping your culture. You ever met some people where everything's negative? And if you've never met anybody like that, you're the person that we met. Everything's negative. Like you say, good morning. Well, you know, I wish it was a better morning. Then go back to sleep then, because ain't nobody got time for all of that. 
How are you miserable and you just woke up? Right? right. How, how, uh, uh, you met people where, where when you talk to them, they're always talking about what's not right and never talking about what's right. It's quiet in the church. Yeah, I mean, it's quiet. Oh. Watch this. Watch this. As believers, watch this. We confess the best, not the mess. Got it? It's easy to confess what's wrong, but what makes us different is that we declare what's right and what can be. We declare his word, not the mess we've heard. So I'm walking us through this because I want us to get this very practically. The way you talk is shaping your culture. So if you talk negative, that's why you always feel down. Got it? That's why you feel that way. If you always talk about, watch this, some of you came up in a culture where the devil was responsible for everything. You get stopped at the, at, the, at the light. The devil is busy. No, you were speeding. Can I tell you something? So I was driving, and the devil pulled up behind me, and I, and I tried to rebuke her. I tried to bind her. And she still just did what she did. And on seriousness, if you came up in a culture where everything was the devil's fault, then everything in your life, you don't take responsibility for anything. It's somebody else. If you came up in a culture where people never admitted their faults and always blamed it on other people, then you think that that's the way to talk to people. So people are like, well, you did this. No, I didn't do nothing. Well, had you, if you had did that, I wouldn't have done that. Well, what is a wouldn't I had done in the first place? But then number two... <laughs> What is that? Where do they do that? But, 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 then, but, but if you never learn to take responsibility, you, you, you don't talk that way. Say, say how I speak. Okay, but how you communicate is more than just how you speak. I've taught extensively on communication before. It, it, it is literally the, the entire aura that you give. So some people speak without speaking. It's called attitude. It got real quiet. Fellas, don't leave me hanging right there. Oh, my God. One? Now, man, I was trying to do a corporate rebuke against them, but y'all left me hanging. Fine. <laughs> All right. So, so watch this. Some people, they, they want to change the atmosphere so that you know they ain't happy about something. What's wrong with you? I'm fine. And watch. Hmm. And then you could be on the phone talking to somebody, having a good time. Hmm. What's wrong? Oh, if you don't know what's wrong, I'm not going to tell you. That's witchcraft. If they're asking, it's because they don't know. So married women, stop doing that to your husband. Well, he should know. Evidently, the man don't. So just tell him. Okay, ladies, I'm going to get the fellas. See how they do it? Come on, man, don't do that to me again. They'll team up on you every time if you let them. Okay, so, so fellas, fellas kind of do that too because men, they may not always cry outwardly, but men will cry inwardly. And so it's kind of like they'll go in their corner and kind of be like a dog and lick their wounds. And so, and so they're, no, I don't want to talk. Okay, then. <laughs> Well, you just never talk to me. Well, what do you want? Do you want to talk or do you not want to talk? It's quiet in the church. 
Okay, so how do you communicate, right? Okay, because attitudes produce attitudes. And we've all done it. We all get attitudes with folk. Don't look at me like you'll get attitudes, folk. Some folk, when they come in church, you ought to stand up here and see some folks' faces when they come in. We're going to reverse the camera one day and just do the honest thing. And it takes them a while to get all of that rough off of them. Got it? And then, you know, about halfway through the message, they start, ah, that's right, that's my neighbor. But when they come in, some folk just be mad. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know who took their little turtle or who hurt their frog, but somebody hurt something. It's be mad. Come on, everybody, get up if you love him. Oh, my God, when can I sit down? Well, if you didn't come to praise him, you could have watched on the app. But since you came up in here, why don't you give him what you owe him? Tell your neighbor, say, how do you communicate? Okay. How do we communicate? That's our culture. That's our culture. There it is. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Because that's none of us. That's just, mm-mm, that ain't none of my... Business. I don't know what happened to you, but that ain't none of my business. Okay, next num- <laughs> number two, because I got to move. I got to finish this. I didn't finish it. Number two, how do you calculate? How do you think? 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 So I'm alliterating. They all start with C, in with eight. Got it? So how do you calculate? Uh, how do you think? That, that's your culture. Say, I'm a problem solver. Right. Please understand, when God sent you here, I've already said this in the message, but when God sent you here, Scripture says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet. Which means when God sent you, he poured you out of heaven and he sent you here. Which means it doesn't really matter what circumstances you got here under. So it don't matter if he didn't love her and she didn't love him and this and that. None of that matters. God said, I just need you here and I need you here right now. Say, I was born for such a time as this. God sent you here to solve a problem. Whenever there was a problem in the earth, God sent a man or a woman to solve it. When there was a disorder problem in the garden, God sent Adam. When there was a sonship problem in the world, God sent Elijah. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? When there was a drought problem in people's lives, he'd send the prophet. When there was a sin problem, he sent himself. When there was a life problem, he sent himself. When they couldn't hear the word, he sent the apostles. God always sends people to solve problems. Say, I'm a problem solver. All right, so then, so watch this, but do you think that way? But please understand, you were sent here to solve problems, not just create them. Have you ever noticed that society only has a problem with Christians doing well? They don't say nothing about basketball players doing well, but they're supposed to. Well, have you read the Bible lately? We're supposed to do well, too. They don't have nothing to say about sports players and singers and rappers. They ain't even rapping about nothing. Don't even know. All you did for 20 minutes is, hey, hey, then listen, you're going to have to give me some more than that for me to pay you $12.99. I ain't giving you no $13. Hey, hey I can do that at home by myself. <laughs> Talking about you so fancy. Well, look like it. You ain't <laughs> Remember music used to be music? Yeah. It's computer generated now. Yeah. Think I'm gonna pay you a dollar twenty-nine a song for some computers. I got my computer, love. That's all I need. <laughs> they don't have a problem with basketball players doing well, football players doing well, singers, rappers, 
whatever, auto-tuners. <laughs> they have no problem with them doing well. Why do they have a problem with Christian people doing well? Because they know that when we start owning, running, directing, having dominion, that their game is up. And that's why one of our core values is we've not been sent to take sides. We've been sent to take over. And I don't despise the day of small beginnings because anything that is going to be great has to have a strong foundation. And I've been sent for one reason and one reason only, and that is to raise up an army of history makers and world changers and people that have come to be about their fathers. But I tell you to high-five somebody and say, I'm taking over. Yes, I am. And I'm going to do well, so you might as well get used to it. If everybody else can do well, doggone it, the saints of the most high God can do well. And if you got a problem with me doing well, you better go on and touch your neighbor and say, I've created to be epic. They'll have no problem with nobody else doing well. They'll have no problem with other people driving nice and living nice and, and being able to help other people. But when the church gets up, they got something to say. That church just wants my money. Let me let you in on something. Your $25 ain't making or breaking nothing going on around here. You as an ambassador sent of God. Go to Obadiah 1. You are an ambassador. Say I'm an ambassador. Uh, you were sent here to be an ambassador, the scripture says, amongst the heathen. Which means you were sent. Say I was sent to go out there. And take over. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look, Obadiah 1.1. Just look at this. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord. And a messenger has been sent among the nations. Say that's me. Saying arise and let us rise up against her for battle. But please understand. Look at me. You were sent as an ambassador. The scripture says in Obadiah up to be amongst the heathen. Which means in other words God says I didn't send you to conform to the culture. I sent you to change it to make it look like heaven's culture. I'm going to give that to you again. The kingdom, say the kingdom. That's heaven's attributes on earth. That's where we're from. We're from heaven. So next time somebody thinks you think you're God's gift to the world, mm -hmm. I'm from heaven. Now, you can be from hell if you want to. But I know where I'm from. I ain't from Cleveland, Mississippi, Memphis, 901. I, I ain't from... Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, 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 watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, how do you calculate? How do you think that shapes your culture? How do you think about things? So the simple nuance I want to give you to help you change that culture is think of yourself as a problem solver. Think of yourself as a problem solver. Say, I'm a problem solver. solver. Say it again. I'm a problem solver. So the next time a problem comes to you, stop saying, why me? Why me? God, I'm so tired. How are you tired? What you done to be that tired? Because if you don't know my story, all my life I had to fight. Well, Celia and them did too. Who hadn't had to fight? Who's had it easy? Doesn't neighbor say, I've been through some things. See, you just learned how to make it look easy. See, if other people knew what you were dealing with right now, they'd be shouting and praising God for you. You just make the hell you go through look easy. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. So, so we got to think of ourselves as problem solvers. So when a problem presents itself, we were created to solve it. So it means if God didn't stop it from getting to us, we've got what it takes to solve it. 
So rather than, let me help all of you quitters in the room who, who always quit every time something gets tough. Please understand, then that's going to be the story of your life. Okay, let me help all the runners in the room who always run when stuff gets tough. That's going to be the story of your life. You're going to stand in front of God and God is going to say, what you done? Well, Lord, I did this and this and that. He said, no, you ran from everything. Because every time something got tough, you decided, but I just I ain't just going to do it. Well, then if, that's, if life was supposed to be easy, then what is the purpose of grace? What is the purpose of mercy if it's supposed to be easy? It's his grace, his goodness, and his mercy that gives me the ability to go through and make it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right, so how do you calculate? Last thing uh, is change how you calibrate. So the first was how you communicate. How do you talk? The second one is how, how you calculate, how you think. So I got to think of myself as a problem solver. I'm a problem solver. I'm a problem solver. I'm not a problem. I'm a problem solver. Say, I'm a problem solver. So if you got financial problems, rather than saying, God, what are we going to do? Now, that's good. But I want to encourage you to say, well, there's something in me he knows is in me that can handle this. See, that's why some of you, when you learn to be problem solvers, you only learn to be problem solvers when you had limitations that created innovations. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? See, you learn how to make it on peanut butter and jelly when peanut butter and jelly was all you had to make it on. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? You learn how to make Roman noodles be uh, like a gourmet Italian meal when that was all you had because you learn how to make do with what you had. Touch your neighbor saying, thank God for my limitations. Thank God for all the stuff that you didn't have. See, I know you shout about the stuff you did have, but why don't you thank him for the stuff you didn't have? Because it taught you how to get creative. It taught you how to innovate. It taught you how to make a way. So you learn how to make a way out of no way. You got miracles been working through you your whole life because your limitations taught you that. It's what you didn't have that taught you how to make it without it. All right, here's his last thing. Change how you calibrate. To calibrate means to get in order or to set the temperature. Say, I got to get in order and set the temperature of my life. But watch this. The root of bad decisions in life is unknown core values. If you won't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Core values are non-negotiable principles that define who you are and why you are that way. It's not enough to just say, well, that's the way I am. Well, if it's wrong, then you need to, you need to justify why that, why that gets to be accepted. So let me help you with some of you and your family. That's just how she is. No! Somebody needs to sit up and tell her that ain't acceptable no more. Well, you know how so-and-so is. No! I don't know how that is. You've been taking it for years, and that's why they won't change. Fine. Preach, Bishop. Yes, sir. The culture that you tolerate is the culture that you perpetuate. Here it is. They got crunk here, and I had to finish it to 915. They turned up in a spiritual way. Watch this. There's got to be something. How many of you got stuff going on in your life right now that's not acceptable? Look at me. Look at me. Secret. Secret. Let me tell you a secret. It's not going to change until something in you rises up and says, I'm not the one. Your financial stuff, if it's not great, ain't going to change until you say, I'm not to one. That depression is not leaving until you say, I'm not to one. That discouragement is not leaving until you say, I'm not to one. Those family issues are not leaving until you say, I'm not to one. Bishop, what do you mean, I'm not to one? You got to look at the unacceptable stuff going on in your life and say, I'm not to one. On September the 6th, you had me, but you shouldn't have let me get to the 7th. Because as of the 7th, I am not. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. You got to look at that sickness in your body and say, I'm not the one. You got to look at that dysfunction in your family and shout, I'm not the one. You got to look at being broke and living paycheck to paycheck and say, I'm not the one. 
it's not going to change until you get mad about it. So I'm not even going to finish the message until I believe I got a household full of folk that's mad about some stuff, but they're ready to change it. I, I'm, not, I'm not going another further until I feel an anger, a Holy Ghost anger rise up in you that says I'm not being depressed again. I'm not the one. I'm not being discouraged again. I'm not the one. I'm not going through that same drama again. I'm not the one. I'm sick of going through the same storm year after year after year. I'm not the. That's enough. I'll keep going. What's this? Be seated. What's this? Say, I'm not the one. Somebody calls you with some drama tomorrow. To say, oh, let me stop you right now. I'm not. If your doctor sends you a report that says, we don't know, you need to look at this report and say, thank you, Mr. Doctor. I appreciate you. And I know you went to school all them years to get that good education. And I thank God for your education. But you need to know something about me. You must not know about me, Mr. Doctor, because I'm not the one. This here negative report, you get this to somebody else. But for me, I'm not the one. If financial trouble shows up and, and, and somehow you get hit with something you weren't expected, don't sit there and start crying and get depressed. Look at it and say, I'm not the one. I'm a giver. I'm a tither and I'm an offering. I'm a, so that means he rebukes the devourer for my sake, which means you got to back up, player. You don't even know who you're messing with. I am not the one. When folks try to start drama with you, just say, I'm not the one. When your kids start acting crazy, just, just, just come here. Let me tell you something. Come here. See, let me, can I teach y'all something? It's called a snatch-up. Uh, I'm not going to use nobody as a prop. I'm going to use the mic. So let's pretend like this is a child who's out of order. Now, you obey your local, state, and federal laws. But sometimes your children need to know that you ain't the one. And sometimes the reason they don't listen to you is because they don't respect you, because they don't reverence you. They don't reverence you because the culture of your house is y'all been best buddies, not a leader and a follower. Y'all been friends. That's why you talk to your child. You talk to your child. Hey, girl. Girl. We ain't equals. We ain't friends. <laughs> Did you think we were friends? So let me teach you something. Y'all looking at me real strange. In other words, I know in Denver, y'all believe in time out and going to corner with Billy and just, and that's fine. You do whatever works. But I'm telling you, I, I remember I was a young man and, and it only took my mama one snatch up. And from that day forward, I was like Jesus and I was subject to her in all things. You understand me? It took one snatch up and I said, I ain't never get, that's why I'll be popping my neck now because I got snatched up. Watch out there now. Watch out. Watch out. Oh, come on. <laughs> so, so, if this is, so if this is a child in your house or that you pay for stuff for. Because don't talk about you grown when I'm paying for stuff. If I'm paying for it, you ain't grown. You still subject to me. Then give me them shoes. Give me that shirt. Give me that car. If I'm paying for it, you ain't grown. Oh, no. My money makes you mine. You don't want to be subject to my rules? Get your own do re me. But until then, do re me fa so la ti do. And all the students said, amen. They didn't say nothing, but I know they wanted to say it. 
Oh, they found another one. Go and stick it up. Y'all good. Put it up. Here it is. They must not know. <laughs> Would you thank God for Bishop Kermit? I'm going to make him a bishop. <laughs> when you're at your desk tomorrow and somebody started to start something, just... They must not know. So here's the snatch-up. I got to move. So the snatch-up says, I'm not doing that, Mom. I'm 12. I'm 13. I need my privacy. Privacy, huh? The Bible says, and there's a great and effectual door open for us. I'm taking every door off every hinge. I got some privacy, but matter of fact, give me that phone. Take the code off of it. You don't get to have no code. You want a code? Pay for it. And then it ain't enough to pay for the phone. That's my phone. I pay the note. Yeah, but you don't pay the note for the house. So for that phone to get charged, you need some power. And that power comes from this here house. So if you want to use that phone, son, I'm going to need that code. If you want some privacy, I got to, I can tell you, it's some kids would love to have a mama and daddy that care about them, that's sitting out on 16th Street homeless. It's some kids that would love to have somebody telling them what to do. So the snatch up says, what you say? So the snatch up normally involves a quick turnaround. So they think you're done. And when they least expect it, you turn around and psh. Now, I got to lay my mic down to show you. See, some of y'all know because you got snatched up when you call yourself acting crazy and that's what kept you out of jail. That's what kept you out of the crack house. That's what kept you off them drugs. That's what kept you off them booze because you got snatched up. I dare you to have five of your neighbors say, snatch them up, snatch them up. That's all I'm saying too. My mom's so tough on me. You better be glad you got a mama that cares. Somebody's pulling. I'm pulling in another direction. <laughs> That's why I'm glad I pastor church where our core values matter. Because that's who we are. So watch this. This last point of calibrate. What are your core values? What are your core values? What are your non-negotiable principles? Core value is not negotiable. I don't negotiate on that. See, some folk, the reason you got issues in relationships is because you negotiate on stuff you shouldn't. Well, they ain't saved, but I'm working on them. Well, then that day ain't yours. That's your answer. It's just that simple. There's no more to discuss. I don't nego- we ain't negotiating on God, and we ain't negotiating on church. And for that matter, we ain't negotiating on giving, and we ain't negotiating on serving. I don't negotiate on that. So if that's a problem, I understand. God bless you. Be encouraged. We thank God for you. Ain't nobody going to say nothing to me. It's quiet in here. God, dog, the Broncos don't play till tonight. Y'all ain't missing nothing. It's okay. Did the Titans win? Somebody check and tell me. We need to pray for them. They had a lot of rough years, but they about to bounce back. They're bouncing back. <laughs> bless their heart. <laughs> the, the, I'm sure the Ravens lost because I just know they... 
That's why I moved over here, because I think that whole front row is raving loyal. <laughs> now, now, watch this. Say core values. What are your core values? And if you, you got to think about them, that means you don't know them. You should be able to spit them out. What are your core values? Who are you? Because that's who you are, your values. You're not, I just know who I am in Christ. That means you don't know. That's church talk. For I don't have a real answer, so let me give you a spiritual one. I just love Jesus. That ain't who you are. That's what you do. Who are you? Titans are up 10 to 3. Glory to God. Watch this. Didn't you do it? now watch this say core values all right now i'm going to remind us we're going to close out this way i want to remind us harvest of what our core values are because this is who we are and i understand everybody can't get with who we are okay god bless you we thank god for you be encouraged but we will not change who we are To fit the dysfunction of this jacked up region, which we've been sent to change. See, it's real simple when you have core values, because then everything, some stuff just ain't a struggle. I just, I'm so torn. It ain't torn if I know my values. I ain't torn about that. Nope. Nope. Say core values. They're not just some arbitrary list of rules or religious rhetoric. Values determine culture, and these guide us, and they're non-negotiable. Say non-negotiable. So Harvest, our first core value says we're united under our visionary. Harvest is built on the progressive vision that God has given our bishop. We aggressively defend our family-like unity in his vision. We are one people doing something great for God. That's our core values. Leave it out. That's our core value. That We're united. Say we're united. So if you want to be part of a church where the people are against the pastor, you should leave. Because that ain't how we do it here. If you want to be a part of church where the deacons fight with the pastor and the pastor fight with the deacons and the deacons fight with the money people and money people fight with the pastor and then the money. And all, I'm not in all that. I ain't got time for all that. We got business to handle. Doesn't everybody say we got to handle some business? Our second core value, Harvest, we're committed to being 100%. We are 100% givers, 100% debt free, 100% favored, 100% loving, 100% blessed, 100% ble- uh, excellent. We're committed to being 100% because the scripture says everything that we should do, we should do it heartily as unto the Lord, which means I'm doing it for you, but I'm doing it as unto him. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right. That's just who we are. Somebody say that's who we are. All right, number three, we're all about people. People matter to God and they matter to us. Jesus told us to go in the world and make disciples, disciplined students. So we unapologetically celebrate the decisions for Christ we see, the harvesters actively serving in the dream team, and the lives that God changes through harvest. We celebrate that. Why? Because people matter. You're not just a number here. If you want to be a number, you should go somewhere else. It's quiet up in here. All right, if you'd be the kind of person that's about people, you'd see that people really aren't as bad as you think they are. They just were shaped different. All right. Number four, we aren't taking sides. We are. In order to rescue our region with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can't think small nor try to make sanctimonious religious people feel comfortable. We set big goals, take bold steps of faith, and we watch God move. And I'm here to tell you, in eight years, he ain't never failed us yet. I know that's not great English, but it's the truth. He's never failed us. Every time I turn around, he's doing something great for us. Every time I turn around, he's opening a door for us. Touch your neighbor and say, he is, he is, he is. And we're not going to think small because it makes you feel good. Be quiet. Yes. Talking to me. All right. Number five. We are kingdom church. 
You know why some people want the church to think small? Because they just want the church to be quiet. Just stay over there in your corner. See, people that are never, if you're never attacked, that means you're not a threat. No thief breaks into an empty vault. That's why people want you to think so small and so low. Because they can deal with that. Number five, let's move on. We're a kingdom church. We don't believe that God created us to be average. So if you want to be average, you, I, this ain't the right church for you. No problem. There's plenty of, there's 1,799 other average ones. You can go. And I'm not criticizing nobody. I'm just saying here, the way we do it here, on Peachtree Street, Southwest, Northeast, West. <laughs> we were created, Revelation 1, 6 says, to be kings and priests, furthering his influence in the seven areas of society, of business, family, arts and entertainment, spirituality, media, education, and government. We were sent here to take over. Put it up. We were sent here to take over. I said, we were sent here to take over. Maybe they'll shout over here. We weren't sent here to just pay bills and have babies. We were sent here to run some stuff. We were sent here to conquer some stuff. Number six, we honor God, our leader, and one another. We leave the Bible teaches us to give honor to God, to our bishop, to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a house of honor. So if you want to be part of a church, but if people disrespect the pastor, you shouldn't come here. That's not our culture. If you want to talk crazy to the pastor, you should bounce. That's an urban colloquialism for find yourself somewhere where you can talk crazy to the pastor. Because the pastor don't talk crazy to the people, and the people sure enough ain't going to talk crazy to the pastor. And none of us are going to talk crazy to the Lord. Say we're people of honor. That's who we are. It's just the way we do it here. Number seven, we are community transformers. We understand that it's not about us, but about reaching people. We don't accept the status quo in our region. You know what? Some preachers talk, talk smack about me, and they talk smack because I just refuse to sit up here and be some little dusty road preacher begging and, 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 and selling chicken sandwiches every week to finance the gospel. So they can talk whatever smack they want to talk and they say whatever they want to say. I'm cool with it. But check the fruit. Check the fruit. Check the fruit. Many people in our region are unchurched to de-churched, and we're committed to changing that. Unchurched never went to church, de-churched went to church, fell away. We're committed to changing that. We don't just want to have church. We said we had a high time in the Lord. Okay, what y'all do after the high time? If y'all all high, go do something. High people normally can do stuff. I know you don't know nothing about that. You're your neighbor. They used to. Ooh, for now. Did I teach y'all that yet? Oh, the, okay, I did it at first. Okay, I'd be forgetting. Okay, all right, all right. So, so let me teach y'all something. Touch your neighbor. Say southern, southern, southern. So I'm going to teach y'all how to be southern. Before, before this year is out, y'all going to be putting salt and pepper on your food and all kinds of stuff. I'm going to southernize you. So watch this. Uh, uh, ooh for naw is, an, is a southern colloquialism, which just means no. So, 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 but, so, so today, when somebody, when somebody asks you something, the answer is no, just say ooh for naw. So when somebody says, is you just going to come over here and be average with us? Ooh for naw. If somebody says, you ain't going to church on Wednesday, right, because we're going to go do this thing. Ooh for naw. Does everybody get that? 
Okay, all right, all right. So, <laughs> all right. So, so uh, one of the things that is important to us is transforming the community. If we were to no longer exist, would it matter that we did in the first place? There's only three more, and I want you to say them with me. Number eight, put that up. Let's go through it. This is who we are. So these are your church's core values, and you can adapt these. You can copy them. Just copy them right. They're copyrighted. Copy them right. Okay? Just So the deal is, is you can apply these to your own life, but you need to have a list of values, and not just in your head. You need to type them out and look at them every day. This is who I am. Because if, if you don't know who you are, then you'll be pulled every which way. Number eight, we don't believe there's a box. Let's say it together. We don't believe that we can win our region using eight-track ministry while we're living in an iPod world. We will be intentionally creative and innovative. Our limits are what the Bible gives and no others. Some may disagree, but they can't argue with the fruit of changed lives. We will not cater to personal preferences in pursuit of our mission. Jesus was a master creator and innovator. Jesus walked on water to teach a message about faith. He made mud pies to heal eyes. That's creative. That's creative. That's innovative. Got it? So we don't believe there's a box. People say, think outside the box. Our response is, well, who made the box? Got it? All right, number nine, uh, and then ten, and then we're done. We are known for what we're for. I'll read it. We love all people. Now, that's important to understand. I know some of y'all come from church environments where everybody gets sent to hell every week. If it ain't this group they send in to hell, then they send in this group to hell, and then they can send this group to hell, and then if it ain't that group that's going to hell, then this other group going to hell. If it ain't this group ain't living right, it's this group ain't living right. And all that's nice if, if, you're trying to, if you're trying to get people to just be messed up and jacked up all their life. But if you're trying to get people to rise up and be the kings and priests God has ordained for them to be, then we got to be known for what we're for. It's real quiet in here. All right? So we love all people. How many of them? All of them. And you too. You slipped in here too, didn't you? Say all people. So just because somebody's been shaped differently than you doesn't give you a license to then judge them. Because we're all on a journey. Say we're on a journey. All right. So watch this. You may have not cussed in years, but your neighbor may have just gotten delivered from that cussing culture yesterday. So don't sit there and judge them and send them to hell because you got your own stuff you working out. It got real quiet right there. Watch this. We will lift up the good news rather than use our platform to condemn anyone. We're known for what we're for. Some Christians want to be known for what they're against. We want to be known for what we're for. Jesus was known for what he was for. He he was known for what he was for. Now, please understand. Uh, 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 Number 10. Let's just move on. Y'all all all right? We're changing how you what? Calibrate. And the way you change your calibration or set the temperature of your life or get in order is through your what? Your core values. So here's our last one. We are committed to making disciples and developing leaders. The word teaches us that God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So to counteract that destruction, we believe that we must not only inspire but inform and educate believers from the womb to the tomb. You know what I'm going to say next? From when they have no teeth to when they have no teeth. Like four people got that. I think that's hilarious. You don't have to laugh. It's funny to me. We are committed to making disciples and developing leaders to advance our mission. So here it is. Here's the last one. Watch this. We're raising up an army of leaders in our church, an army of world changers, an army of history makers, an army of curse breakers, an army of boundary breakers, an army of lid lifters. Watch this. You can come just as you are, but don't you plan on staying that way. Why? Because it is time for you to upgrade to epic. Somebody shout epic. Shout it again. Shout epic. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. 
They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.